0: Welcome back to another episode of the Unfounded Podcast, everyone. Sorry for the delay on the episode this week. I usually release one on Sunday or sometime around then, but I was uh I guess you could say busy. Uh not not busy in the work sense, obviously, but <laughs> uh but uh busy kind of mentally, I guess, and emotionally. So uh there's been a lot going on in my sphere uh recently and it's been it's been doing a number on me. Uh so it's uh, I do want to talk about it and kind of go over, you know, how the end of the month went for me. And there's been a lot to talk about. Like there's a lot going on to talk about, honestly. I mean, we've got the election, we've got, uh, sober October, the end of October, Halloween, all of that, you know, it was, it's been a really kind of crazy time. And I'm, I'm I'm wondering if or curious if it has been for you guys as well. Um, Anyway, before we get into that, though, I do want to uh, preface this episode. Uh, if you are enjoying the episodes, you like the content, please go to my uh, Facebook page. I uh, That is the Facebook.com slash The Unfounded Podcast. Uh, like, share, and subscribe there if you can. I also put some content, you know, uh, quotes that I find motivating, things like that. Um, I like to share some videos, stuff like that from time to time on there. Uh, a lot of times I'll refer, you know, content that I've brought up on the podcast, um, a lot of times I'm pulling it from that that Facebook page. So check that out. Uh, I've got an is- Instagram page. Uh, that's where I pull a lot of the quotes that I use from uh, is the page that I put on there. If you want to go find them somewhere else, um, that is Instagram.com slash the unfounded pod. And then uh, if you want to just visit my, my website, and that's a good place to send people if they don't know or don't have um, uh, a podcast like app they use. Uh, you can just go to the website at the-unfounded-podcast.simplecast.com. podcast I know that's a mouthful working on getting that changed and shortened for you guys, but uh, check me out there. And then last, but certainly not least, guys, uh, if you do like the content and you feel comfortable doing it, please try to, uh, or, or please um, support me in whatever means possible, right? Uh, if you would like to support me monetarily, I have a Patreon page. Uh, the Unfounded Podcast uh, is uh, the name of the page, but it is patreon.com slash the unfounded pod. Um, my goal there is is just to, not to make a bunch of money, but just simply to pay for the expense of the podcast every month. Um, so if uh, you do feel comfortable uh, supporting in that way, please do. If not, please continue to enjoy the content uh, as you have been. Uh, the biggest payoff for me is just seeing people apply this in their life, as I've said before. So uh, thank you for listening up until this point. And without further ado, let's get on into it. So I do have a quote that I want to talk about today. It's by uh, Charles Bukowski. And it was one I was just kind of going through this morning. I was looking through some, some quotes on my Instagram page there, and this one kind of jumped out at me a little bit. And I'm not sure why, but I guess we'll find out here, won't we? It says, We are here to laugh at the odds and live our lives so well that death will tremble to take us. Charles Bukowski, as I said. We are here to laugh at the odds and live our lives so well that death will tremble to take us. Hmm. I think there's something beautiful in that message. I like the laughter part. Hints at the comedy of life, right? Which is the comment that I led, led with with this post was life is a comedy. You have control of a a, few, few things, and they are very centered on you. You can control your choice, and through that choice you can control your perspective in some way, I believe. You always have a choice. It's a simple kind of binary choice. One of the things we've kind of identified in computer science, and it's actually a question that my friend the other night that I told you about that, how you have very deep conversations with often. um, it's a conversation that we were having about, can you create consciousness? Can science create consciousness? And I, I, when he asked that question, I was first like, no, kind of kind of cocky in a way too. Like, no, no way, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but it was funny because he was like, well, I mean, you got to think about it. Like, Ones and zeros, right? And when he said that, because I've made the argument before, it kind of connected to this argument I've talked with him about before. As I've gone through this spiritual journey, in the sense I've, you know, kind of engaged with different religions and been a little more attracted to certain ones at certain times. So, like, for instance, like Buddhism was one that I was really attracted to at a certain time. And um, Alan Watts was somebody that's really influential in my life. And uh, anyway, I had this idea of duality that I was working with at one point and we talked about it and we had talked about how computers, the zeros and ones, you know, the the binary code, which is a form of language, right, is kind of the simplest form of language you can imagine, which is, I wonder if it gets at something fundamental because it's something, like I said, talked about, especially in the Eastern religions of this duality, but you see it represented in the Western religions as well with good and evil, right, but it's like there's this, um, like if you look at a yin and yang symbol, you you can you know pull up one of those yin yang symbols and you'll see, you know, it's I believe it's two it's a snake right like chasing itself or something like that if I'm not mistaken or two koi fish you no know, maybe it's two koi fish but one's a, yeah one's a, one's one's black with a, a white eye and one's white with a black eye, right and they're ch- kind of chasing each other, and this circle of life kind of comes out of it but it's this duality as well like this left and right up and down. Um, right or wrong good or bad e- good or evil kind of a thing you know what I mean like these, these kind of this kind of duality jumps out of it and I, I think that there's something deeply spiritual in that and that science maybe has stumbled upon something like a fundamental I don't know because I haven't really thought the idea out very far. I'm kind of surprised I'm talking about it right now because I wasn't thinking about it at all before we started this. But it's like, um, why isn't the argument that I came back against with? Because I, I found, because I, once we, we started talking about that, what I was just describing, this duality aspect, I was like, well, maybe. Maybe artificial like maybe artificial intelligence is possible in a way then like actual conscience conscious intelligence, but then I was sitting here thinking like well you know it's kind of the fish in the water problem isn't it it's like it's it's like we're trying to do something that from within a that thing so it's like it's like um, how do you create a con a conscious a conscience a consciousness, sorry, I'm having a hard time talking right now. How do you create a consciousness that has inde- independent thought, independent structure, and kind of independent purpose in a spiritual sense, I, I would argue? How do you make that when you're having another conscien- conscious perspective constructed? It has to be constructed, right? So in order for the AI to function, the AI has to be built by another consciousness, right? Which means that in, even if it's in unintended ways, that consciousness and that experience is going to imprint on the creation itself in some way. And so that there's, this is what I was arguing. This is what I argued for kind of after the fact was that that's why maybe it. it I'm still kind of sticking with the, the, the original reaction I had was that it's not possible that way because even if you did that you'd have something kind of like a, a unintended clone in certain ways of that consciousness in the ways or the assumptions of of the funda- of certain fundamental realities that it built upon, upon you know what i mean that maybe are not correct or maybe are you know object like subjectively correct like the world is constructed but there is no objective way to view it because we're within the universe or the world you know do you get what i'm saying It's one of the beautiful things I find in this. You know, we're here to laugh at the odds and live our lives so well that death will, trum- death will tremble to take us. One of the things I found beautiful in, in Buddhism is, is this idea that, that everything can exist and can, is supposed to exist in balance that there's not a need for elimination in some way. Like one of the messages I've, I've, I found fascinating with that came with, you know, Alan Watts is, and he's a fascinating character. You really should check him out. If you haven't, there's there lectures, hours and hours of recorded lectures of his, that you can listen to. And it, his, he's just an absolutely fascinating character and, 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 and speaker in a sense to listen to it. Just, it, you'll get lost in the way he talks anyway check him out if you haven't it's very cool i have a couple videos on my facebook page but there's this idea that like everything exists in a balance and there's no need to eliminate anything so like one of the problems i think we have right now especially politically is that there's a lot of people that feel like we need to eliminate either like a certain person or a certain group or a certain identity that there's this this other mentality that's grown within the United States where we have really split, at least in an identity sort of way, that our conceptions of our identities are is really split at a fundamental level and it's kind of just been demonstrated at a national level again. And it has been for, honestly, arguably for, you know, 20 years or more, right? But... That there is this, like, even though people kind of don't want to admit it, there's a lot of people you'll hear argue for like, oh, you know, it's the internet's just exposed some kind of crazy people and those people have a megaphone and they're the ones that are the loudest, so those are the ones, those are the ones you see. But I don't know if I agree with that. I think we're giving people a <laughs> little too much credit in that sense. <laughs> that what you have is kind of certain people that, yes... It's kind of like an amplification was of what was before the internet. It's like, hey, like, before you had certain people that would say whatever they were thinking. And those people were generally labeled as, like, assholes, kind of, right? But they were willing to take the the identity kind of hit, the kind of ego hit that, that would entail, and they knew it, or the societal hit, right, whatever it was, uh, to say what they were thinking. That kind of process was reined in, like what you said and how far you took it and how much you attacked was reined in by that because you really were associated at a fundamental level with what you were saying in a responsibility sort of way, right? So this tying of people to what they say and to who they are reflected societally, then then it kind of reins in what they're willing to do. And you have to be psychotic in some way to want to Or, like, you know, in in an odd way, like, spiritually suicidal to want to, like, push that or say anything that would be so fundamentally stability-shaking in a way, societally, that it would, or do anything like that, that it would, you know, destroy you as an individual, if that makes sense, right? So it reigns people in in a certain way, I guess, is what I'm arguing for. And so... This has been amplified in a bad way with the internet. And that's kind of one thing that I think we have identified is that it's given, you know, that they, like, it's, it is true that people do have this kind of amplified, like, they are amplified, certain voices are, and, and they're usually, the, they are the most radical ones. That's simply, I think, a product of, like, the, that personality trait that, like, the people that are loudest are also gonna have megaphones on the internet. You know what I mean? They didn't just get left behind. But the difference is, the thing, that reigned them in that before isn't there anymore because the 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 aspect that tied you to what you were saying kind of it, it is in certain ways like Twitter and Facebook and stuff. like if you're saying stuff on there and you have your identity, you, people are gonna know and attach it to what you say. and we've seen ramifications of that play out over the last couple of years, especially you know uh, politically, but like the um, but the point is that you can, if you want to, through these other mediums Reddit or Twitter, you know, kind of have these, these, I don't know how to, how to describe them. It's something kind of evil. It's like a, it's like a, Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like a fighting to fight kind of thing that's going on there where people, you know, there's so many people that have created accounts and created other false identities and even, you know, just with their own even if it's with their own identity kind of felt because they're detached from even the i think some of this is being detached from the physical consequences of like when you're near somebody and you say something that's hurtful you feel it i think this is part of the way you can sense like that empathic ability in everybody like it's there in everybody as long as you don't have i think some kind of fundamental you know fundamental problem going on you know, biochemically or whatever in the brain, right? Like th- that is blocking you from having that kind of physical reaction. Like there's obviously physical manifestations of problems that can affect the way that you feel emotionally. You know, that's, that's inarguable. But I think in general, most people have this wiring is what I'm saying. And this wiring is something like a, a, an ability for, for you to sense, to communicate in some fundamental way that either is a remnant of a pathway we communicated or a predecessor of what's about to come. I can't figure out which it is yet, but it's something like that. And, and that you empathize with people. I'm sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. It's why, it, I'm sorry, I think I found it again. It's <laughs> That was a long little break. It's what reigns you in, right? When you feel what you say, like the, the ramifications of it directly when you're physically in front of somebody and you say something. or if that's But you also feel it physically if you do it physically. You know what I mean? There's different manifestations of pain. It doesn't always have to be in the physical sense. You feel that. That emotional sense of pain is an empathic result that I think is directly correlated to some sort of inbuilt sense that we haven't properly identified like I said that is either prehistoric or something that's a predecessor like an evolving trait that is still developing we need some kind of reigning in and I think that's what people are arguing for but it also doesn't mean that those are the only people that feel that way that feel cra- like that feel all of those things—the crazy shit—that's coming out of their mouth. They're just the people that are like ballsy enough to say it. I think is one of the things. Like, there's a lot of people that find comfort in kind of sheltering themselves from the idea that they have bad thoughts. If that makes sense, um, it's something that I did for a long time, and I didn't realize there's this idea, there's this concept of uh, unwanted thoughts, unwanted. intrusive thoughts i think it is and let's go to this is healthline.com intrusive thoughts intrusive uh them and how to stop them what are intrusive thoughts intrusive thoughts are thoughts that seem to be stuck in your mind they can cause distress since the nature of the thought might be upsetting they may also recur frequently which can make the concern worse. And truth of thoughts may be violent or disturbing. They may be thoughts of sexual nature, including fantasies. They can also be about behaviors you find unacceptable unacceptable or abhorrent. Um, There are things that make you uncomfortable when you think about them, right? But recur. They're those kind of thoughts that, like, when you try to run away from them, oh, they just pop up more frequently, right? Like a dragon in some way. (laughs) A little monster, right? Um those kind of thoughts are ones that like certain people are very willing to like enunciate into the wild. Other people have but don't ever a lot of people have but don't ever enunciate. But they have they find very willing to judge other people for the people that do enunciate them. So what I'm saying is something like I'm not defending people that say things intentionally to hurt people. I'm not defending the abuse of free speech if that makes sense defining what the abuse of free speech or who should do that who should I, that's a that's a different conversation and it's something that's very hard to argue for but there is a way i think that you can abuse free speech and maybe this is the point that we're coming to in this country is is that there is certain ways like i said that the the, the founding fathers have have there was, there's a, there's a necessity and they knew that this needed to be an experiment, but it wasn't properly communicated downwards because the success of this thing, the, the, the overarching success of this and the ability to, for, for it to create kind of prosperity, um, as much as people want to tear down the United States, it's ridiculous the amount of prosperity it's brought into the, brought to the world in a very, very short period of time that that got lost. That message of an experiment got lost in this. Um, and as we're now at this point, you know, to, you know what? How many years? Hundreds of hundreds of years later, right? That that people don't realize that this hasn't always... This is a very, very, like, new thing. And that the idea that it's very... It's even comparable to something like Rome is kind of laughable at this point. You know what I mean? Like, yes, we have the most prosperity. We have, like, I think the most technologically advanced society or civilization, but in, form, in terms of politics and government we don't necessarily have the most stable. Now, yes, it's, we are based in some ways off of the way that, uh, off of Rome and kind of this Republic formation, right? We are, but it's, there's, there's aspects of this that the democratic aspect of this and a stru- way we've structured our government with this the three branches and kind of this balance of powers. That's very unique and, and representative government mixed in with that. Right. So it's like, This mixing of democratic process with the republic structure is something that's very unique and and something that is kind of not well tested. Now, what I think we're coming to realize, like I said, is that there's certain aspects that aren't working very well that we may need to adjust. Some of it, one of the odd ones may be around free speech. Now, what I mean by that, I'm not saying that we need to rein in free speech in any way. But what I am saying is we need to define that there is something. We need to figure out a way to define what abuse of free speech is. And whether it is as a live free speech, is it? So yeah, no, in the United States, constitutional law, this is from Wikipedia, false statements of fact are are an exemption from protection of free speech. Good. So at least we have that aspect of it, right? That that you can't lie. But there's some way in which you can coerce or twist the truth, right? You can withhold information, ways that you can, you know, wouldn't be considered lies that I think you can manipulate free speech. I don't know. I'm having a hard time with this. Like I'm getting to this idea and I'm kind of hitting a wall because trying like it really is it's like such a fundamental part of of, of w- the way we structured everything and free speech is so foundational that that's why I like, it's the first amendment right <laughs> um there's a reason they structured it the way they did um it's 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 very scary to try to rein in anything like that but i think we need something like We do need the external kind of control, the guardrails. Like I think guardrails are something like morals or ethics, but we can't have it. It can't be instituted, right? It can't be instituted from the state. That doesn't work at all. (laughs) It it devolves into genocidal mess. need to get away from this idea that we need to eliminate another group of people another side another faction especially within the united states it's something that doesn't have a you know those imagine the yin and yang symbol like i said again as two koi fish imagine them chasing each other and going round and round but none of them ever getting closer to the other one just kind of like chasing a tail essentially right you can spin that thing faster, 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 but it's not going to cause, you know, more stability or more serenity. It's going to cause a lot of pain and suffering, you know, through the exertion. And I think that's kind of what it, it's a very simple, simple way to, and kind of a, not a good way to describe something like civil unrest or war or something like that. But it, it is something like, I think us forgetting who we are in unity, dividing ourselves into smaller groups and then, allowing our more tribal and primal nature to take hold through the distancing of, from the truth the truth something like the spoken individuality of each person the spoken subjective truth of each person it's like you can't make it's like it's like maybe when i argue for you there is no objective truth it's like maybe you can get to something like an objective truth but the only way you do it is through the lens of every single person it's like you have to combine everybody's perspectives and that's what's beautiful about the democratic you know process is that it really is a process of leveraging everybody when it's not when it's when it's not and it's unadulterated right it's a process of allowing everybody's perspective to combine into one grand perspective and that through that, we get the most fundamental truth that we can possibly see objectively. But that in a fun and also in a weird way, it's not objectively true still, even if at that level, it's just the closest thing to it we have. Right. And so we've designed a system that, you know, as long as it is unadulterated, like I said, should function to get us to that point. thus leading us not to the most satisfying answer but to the most objectively true one quotation marks (laughs) here's my phone like we're furthering ourselves from that we're distancing ourselves from the ability to share those perspectives we're segmenting ourselves which is one of the things that's so dangerous about groupthink kind of this what do they call it politically the left the right always calls this or accuses the left of this this identity politics right um that's what's dangerous about that. It's something that is very is very uh, tied to like Marxism and, and this, this class thing, uh, this way of grouping people, primarily, right? That what it leads to is nothing but this division. And when people are divided in this way, we have very primal instincts that take over. And what, what they produce is something like evil in the world, something like that, right? And so that the way that we've figured out how to get around that is something like a democratic process, which a democratic process is is the most, most fundamentally liberal, classical liberal, political process we have come up with to this point. But it's not necessarily perfect. There's a lot of byproducts, native byproducts of the democratic process that we don't talk about. It's fundamental things. Things like they're inefficient in a way. If you want efficiency, you want a dictatorship. If you think of it structurally, it's very simple. The structure is right. So you have a few, one, one person in power and they're making all of the decisions, right? So when you need to have a decision made, hey, what do we do? Boom. What do we do? Boom. What do we do? Boom. See? Very efficient. It just happens. Usually in those positions too, they have the ability and the authority in some way through that governmental power to kind of have total authority, even you know, with the ability to execute people for disobeying treasonous things, quotation marks, right? So there's this ability to have a lot of efficiency. With that efficiency comes a lot of suffering a lot of pain, Uh, instability over a long period of time, or maybe not necessarily over a long period of time, but kind of a production of this pain of a certain type of hell, right, that the human being can experience, Uh, tyranny, right? But that what, so that's the negative aspect of it, but it produces this, like I said, this efficiency, this simplicity, which is why it came before. <laughs> it was a more simple form of government, right? But then you kind of have, uh, you know, this idea that also, or not it didn't really come before, I guess. It just developed in separate. It was kind of, I think, the original form of government, right? But. Anyway, I digress. You know, you have this idea of the Republic having this community based. Initially, I believe, you know, qualification based not not democratic not elected but like these people were you know the the largest landowners essentially right the most influential people in the society were the people that voted i believe they always had to be men if i'm not mistaken there were certain qualifications that they had to have as well but there was no election process if i'm not mistaken ancient greece things like that where, where this developed But as it moved forward, you know, we've a disconnection from the populace, that isolation of the political process from kind of this whole other perspective, this whole other truth, uh, in some ways causes problems that are irreparable, that cause the you know government to separate and violence to occur in, in many ways as well. There's a downside to it that... You know, when you have this like community-based idea where you, you separate, you know, you have a, a kind of a uniform community based on shared values, um, that's all fine and dandy, but it's restricted by definition and that creates the necessity or the, the it creates in a, in a world that is not finite with only you and your community, a whole bunch of others. Through which a whole lot of violence and complication comes. So there's this flaw in this Republican, the fundamental Republican concept that that is um, needed remedying. One of the ways the United States, I think, attempted to remedy that, obviously, is with this democratic process. This idea of elected officials functioning in a in a in a democratic republic, right? Like a, a republic structure. And having different bodies all elected for different terms, having these checks, this series of checks and balances, um, was a brilliant way to try to fix the inherent flaws, you know, within the republic itself. To try to leverage that other perspective. The perspective of the populace First. And that the structurally there's a beauty to it that is like hard to deny. It's like holy crap, you know these gentlemen were were living in a time when people, most people, you know, they wouldn't open a book their entire life. You, you know what I mean? It, it, things that, it, and that's you know I'm not speaking ill of anybody in that when I say that I'm saying I'm trying to say that to set like how astonishing it is. That, that this kind of revelation came out of a time when tyranny was the common form of government, right? And slavery was a common, you know, was commonplace in the land. And this idea of the sanctity of the individual and the democratic process that develops out of that, you know, classical liberal idea and then mixing that with a uh, using that to try to remedy the flaws of a, of a, of a republic is something. It's a brilliant idea that was also very experimental that has worked in certain ways, but has internal flaws that need fixing. And one of them being, like I said, is something like, and I really don't like that I argued for that. I felt a little like, you know, reigning into free speech is a very weird thing to talk about. I'm not talking about, because there isn't anything you can do in that way. It's like there's, but there isn't, we need to have like a public recognition of it. It's like when you have a recognition, like a moral recognition, an ethical recognition that, hey, you don't, What you say online is no different than what you say in person, and that the way you represent yourself online needs to be mirrored with the way you represent yourself in person, not just for your society, but for yourself, because it will cause a disjointed nature in you. It will create kind of an alter identity through which your shadow can come out and play, and you don't want that to happen. I promise you that nobody wants that to happen nobody wants anybody to be acting in their negative vibration in that kind of low vibe and that in that very kind of egocentric place keep yourself whole don't change the way you act around certain people right we need this this public recognition of that i think the only way we have that is through some kind of spiritual awakening which is i think happening right now as well but it's it's there is this necessity for us to recognize that there's a responsibility that comes with free speech it's something like the responsibility to not be nihilistic everything works fine under free speech until you have people being intellectually dishonest to themselves or actually rooting for the world to crumble you can't have those kind of bad actors within that kind of a system because then they can leverage free speech in a way to actually tear it down you see, so it's 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 a there's a there's a fundamental problem there. But you can't you know it's free speech for a reason. So it's like you can't create legislation to restrict it. I'm not arguing for that. I wanted to be clear about that. We need a we need a, a moral and ethical reigning in. But there's also this other problem with that the, the way that we view the positions of, of elected government. The way I think of people that run for office. View the the position of elective uh, government, and then also the way that we, the P- American people, have perverted the position into something else as well. It's kind of a it's a it's both people it's both sides' fault in a way: the American people and the representatives. Right, the representatives really are representatives, whether they want to be or not. But the corruption we see inside of our government is only because we've allowed it to happen. We've allowed ourselves to be intellectually dishonest. For years now, not just one generation, but multiple generations, generation over generation after generation. We've allowed the segmenting and dividing, you know, as we've uncovered and learned of the vastness and the diversity of this country and had that grow and developed, uh, instead of exposing ourselves to it in many ways, like a lot of people have done, a lot of people haven't done that. A lot of people, you know, Kind of restricted themselves into communities. I'm not talking necessarily as much modern day, but I think especially you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. There's a lot of this going on. That there's this necessity for for us as individuals to hold our elected officials accountable, but also that the elected officials need to recognize what they are. And I've argued this for this before, in that. In that role, that once you be embody that role, even starting to run for that role that your your identity itself is what you're trading away. It's a very, very heavy burden you're accepting when doing that. you know there are people I feel that were good. Tulsi Gabbard is, is who I was trying to think of in the couple episodes ago when I was trying to think of the presidential candidate that I was you know in favor of or wish the Democratic Party would have had run. Tulsi Gabbard is a fantastic candidate objectively by anybody that I've ever seen talk about her. She, I mean, there's people that criticize her, but I think they're more political hitmen, in a sense. I mean, everybody's got them, right? An objectively honorable and and respectable person that I would, you know, be proud to have lead the country. And I think anybody uh, would have a hard argument to say otherwise, right? But that there's certain, you know, there's certain ways that, that there are very specific people, and they're rare now, that understand the... F- the responsibility of representative government, that, that most people that have gotten into those positions like, kind of use it as a... like we use most positions in in, in hierarchies. I mean, you know, people view them as, like, kind of... perches to sit from. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Perches in, in which we kind of sit down and look at all the, all the people we've conquered. You know? That I think a lot of people treat the position of power that way especially politically and then it's become almost the the political game itself is to kind of leverage your perch to go to a higher perch and that process of of leveraging you know your position and the power of your position to further yourself or gain more power or position you know i I don't like to talk about power in these terms necessarily but it is a factor i think in some way that does motivate people especially if they believe that power is the only way to motivate people right then they're gonna act in this way, and this is this has, in some ways, denigrated and perverted the system to a point where you truly do have to be willing to play along in that way, or else you kind of get eliminated from it. Enter Tulsi Gabbard, right? That's why she was essentially cut off from from the democratic process uh, in the pr- the primary, right? It's a shame, right? But that the people that are there that are wanting to represent us are arguably the people that are the worst to be representing us. Because they are the ones, especially, and that's one of the things that I, you know, argued about with Biden, is that being in a system like that for that long, even though it sounds like a trivial thing to bring up, is not. If you worked in something for that long, 45 years you've seen this process corrupt but you've kind of been in some ways you can't say you were the one trying to stop it (laughs) because it has happened over about that period of time maybe even a little longer i'm sure longer so it's like hey there's no squeaky clean here for anybody but something about the process the longer you're in it the more it makes you have to play it harder kind of right that I think holds true and that scares me a little bit about Biden but that this is why the process is broken that we have to in some ways find a way we do need to communicate to each other in a way our intentions we need to stop focusing on this national level because it makes us look for this subjective truth. We need to start focusing in our own spheres of influence. We need to pull back from this national this national chaos because it's going to continue to devolve the way it is. You know what I mean? The madness is, is getting crazier. So what I'm going to do is pull back from it. Try to focus on my own sphere, which is always the best bet. Try to focus on myself and try to focus on what I can do and hold on to during this kind of Chaotic time. How I can develop? What blessings I have? Actually, that's the best way to practice this. This way, you can flip your perspective. Is when you're feeling down. Seriously, try to ask yourself. Well, yeah, what is there that you're grateful for? It's going to feel initially like that's the dumbest fucking question you could ask. Period. Because in some ways it kind of is, but it's also not. (laughs) That's what's funny about it. (laughs) As soon as you start. Actually, being truthful and answering that, you'll realize, oh my God, everything. Yeah, there's so many things that I'm thankful for, and I'm usually focusing on one thing that's making me feel like a whole world is shit. Isn't that funny? That's kind of what happens, I think, every four years with these elections. Maybe a part of that perversion process I've been talking about. I don't know. Something very complicated going on there with the American psyche and us, the way we've projected onto these people a lot of power that they weren't initially supposed to have. kind of the ability to play this political game that political game should have never allowed to be been allowed to to grow those bodies when acting as they're supposed to function as as representatives those bodies should be apolitical but they're not that's how they're designed to function right as voices as arms of the people that elected them here's the thing that's hard to tell is i don't know if we really are that divided are we really, really that divided? Because the election results seem to to say that that we are really that like closely divided. That maybe that is why the political system is this chaotic. Is that maybe we are that much divided? We think we're that much divided. Not like not like fundamentally we are. No, you're we're never that divided, right? We're never truly divided. It's just that we have a lot of people. All of us think that we're divided in this fu- fundamental way. And so it's playing out politically, too. It is actually working the system in a weird way. (laughs) In the way I just described it, right? And and being an arm of the people, the representative of the people. If it is 50-50 split, then shit, I I guess it is working pretty fucking good. (laughs) Oh, man. Right? So what are we upset about? Well... There are some questionable things going on around this election. I think it's kind of obvious for anybody that's been around more than one, <laughs> right? <laughs> that this is a this is very odd the way that this is playing out and kind of the excuses being used for why it's playing out and taking so long and things like that. Well, okay, we'll see what happens. But honestly, at the, this point, I'm so glad that the election is over and I'm so glad all this stuff is done with. That I really don't care who's the president next, and I kind of hope you feel the same. <laughs> in a weird way and I would have never have said that four years ago but what I just said earlier I truly mean I think what is needed now is for all of us to go internal to go small circle not big circle to flip that perspective like I said take lemons make lemonade you know what I'm saying <laughs> that's always what you're supposed to do always that's never not true. That's one of the most true statements ever, ever. Make lemons out of lemonade. Or make lemonade out of lemons. Something like that, right? You know what I'm talking about? When life gives you lemons, make some lemonade. That's it. So true. Lemons are the hurdles. Lemonade is the reward, right? A lot of work that it entails to get to the reward, but hey. You're the only thing that can do it. Only thing that can make a lemonade is human beings. And you are one of them, my listeners. That's a weird way to say it. My, I don't like that. Sorry about that. (laughs) I hope you're doing very good out there, guys. Uh, I hope hope, uh, the election process hasn't been too stressful for you. It kind of has for me. Like I said, I I was going to kind of talk about it earlier in the podcast, but I kind of forgot. But this has been rough, right? I'm, you know, being unemployed, trying to figure out, you know, the stress of that during this time when there's a lot of people unemployed, (laughs) trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with that. Also, you know, how to develop and grow this, put work and effort into this. Also, with all this election and chaos going on around that, Um, it's been. It was just a lot to deal with, right? And I'm sure you guys are all, all in your own ways feeling that kind of pressure as well. But that's why I'm saying I think the only way to deal with that, because a lot of it is coming from just the external world, is to reduce that circle, that sphere, that your that perspective. Bring it in. Bring it in. Narrow it down. To whatever magnification you start to see, you know, things that you can act on, parts of you that need fixing, things that you can actually do, instead of stuff that's out of your control will always be out of your control and they will always in some ways fundamentally be untrue. That there's those objective truths that spin around you in the external world aren't that. The parade around is that for certain times, certain frames in time, certain snapshots in history. And then they change and they go away forever. I want to thank you for listening. I wanna thank you that was a weird way I'm having a hard time talking today guys. <laughs> I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, I, I really appreciate your support again if you want to support me in any way, um, if you want to just check out my social media pages, check me out on Facebook, Instagram or my webpage or patreon. alrighty And uh, hope you're good out there guys. stay sane. reduce that sphere, that perspective, focus on yourself. All this shit will blow over (laughs) at some point. (laughs) But it will, right? Uh, So, lots of love, guys. uh, And I will talk to you soon. Bye bye.